Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. It's a football feast as we lock in on Separation Saturday and Breakfast Ball in Germany for the Kansas City Chiefs. Stan Weber will join us in just a little bit. We'll get his thoughts on everything that took place in a pretty wild scene in Germany as the Kansas City Chiefs race out to a 21-0 halftime lead and look like they were going to bore the living daylights out of the German fans that had gathered 48,500 strong at Frankfurt Stadium. But indeed, the Dolphins made a comeback, and the Chiefs had to hang on as the offense disappeared in the second half. It is indeed a disturbing trend that we see with the Chiefs. Giant gaping holes in a game where the offense does almost nothing. And it's pretty easy to watch every other team in the NFL and see where the Chiefs are short on their roster. And it clearly is the wide receiver position. They just don't make the plays at wide receiver that other teams do. They don't seem to have the hands on the deep balls, a missed opportunity. They don't have a big guy that can separate or go up physically and catch other than Travis Kelsey, who was basically blanketed all day by the Dolphins. The Dolphins came into this game and said, Kelsey's not going to beat us. If you got somebody else, knock yourself out. The Chiefs, with a wicked great opening drive, bolt down the field and jump on top 7-0. Later in the first half, a tremendous 94, 95-yard drive that ate up I don't know how many minutes, just meticulous down the field. The chain mover, if you will, short little passes, some good runs, a couple of penalties mixed in. And then, of course, the defensive touchdown as Cook picks up the uh, the pitch Gets gets the ball pitched to him and runs it back for a touchdown, and the Chiefs were up 21-0, and it looked like it was going to be a laugher. Mostly looked like it was going to be a laugher because the Dolphins just seemed out of place. They are a fun football team. Tyreek Hill is a tremendous player. Two is a legitimate NFL quarterback, but at this point in time, the Miami Dolphins are no more than what the Kansas City Chiefs were five or six years ago. A very good, fun-to-watch, interesting team that is not championship caliber. The Dolphins fall to 0-3 this season against teams with winning records. All of their wins have come against stinky teams, and they can't beat anybody good. Was it interesting? Did it come down to the end? Yes. Thanks to Andy Reid and an unbelievably horrible call on third and one with 242 left in the game. After the Dolphins came back to pull within 21-14, Andy needs a couple of first downs, and this game is over. The Chiefs had third and less than one. Pacheco and moving the pile had been working. Pacheco is not on the field. McKinnon is in the backfield, and they call a pass play of Mahomes, which apparently he was going to try to pass it to Travis Kelsey, who had two guys just completely mugging him on the play. They weren't going to call anything there. Maybe the worst, well, the worst call of this year by Andy Reid, I, I think we can say, on third and one when you've been running the ball, Run it again. Give it to Pacheco. See if you get the first down, and maybe you can ice the clock. The Chiefs don't. They fail miserably. They give it back to the Dolphins, and then the Dolphins decide to play giveaway. After Mostert goes for 25 yards and then 19 yards, the Dolphins have it at the 31-yard line going in to tie the game, and they never run the ball again. There's two minutes left. They've got all the time in the world to run the football. They've just been gashing the Chiefs. They get to the 31-yard line, and they stop running it. Four incomplete passes culminates on Tua basically wetting his pants. It was a fine snap. He took his eye off it. The Chiefs were blitzing. It's a quarterback not ready for prime time. He wasn't ready to make a big play against a championship team with pedigree, and that's what the Chiefs are.
The Chiefs are not a finished product this year. They're not as good as they're going to be. And they might not have beaten the Bengals yesterday. They might not have beaten the Eagles yesterday. We're going to find out because they're going to play those teams. And the Chiefs are just different this time. I think they actually have a chance to be much harder to beat in the postseason because they are winning games without asking Patrick Mahomes to be Houdini. Mahomes and the Chiefs offense failed yesterday in the second half. They just flat out failed in the second half to put that game away. One score in the second half likely just puts the game out of reach. And they couldn't do it. And they didn't do it. And how did the Chiefs win the game? They won it with a defensive stand, which is an entirely different thing. I feel like we keep saying this over and over and over here at KKHI. It is glorious and lovely, but it's different, and Chiefs fans don't like it. I was at a watch party yesterday. There were, I think, a dozen people there, and everybody's mad at the Chiefs after a win. Oh, God, they look so bad. Yeah, yeah, when you win with defense, you can look bad winning. You can, and it's edgier seat stuff. But it's no different edgier seat as to being tied or down and having Mahomes go down and win the game in thrilling fashion. That's just more fun than a defensive stand. I'll take them for what they are. The Chiefs' defense is legitimate. The Dolphins had gone 40 games, 40 games, without playing a half, without scoring, and the Chiefs did that to them in the first half of that game in Germany. All the talk of the Dolphins going over there early and getting acclimated. Chiefs came out, hit them in the mouth, go up 21-0. Andy's boys were ready. They were coming off that Denver loss. It was fairly predictable. They were going to play with their hair on fire, and they did. I think they took the foot off the gas pedal at halftime. I really do. I think they thought, well, our defense is great. We're up 21-0. We've got this. And one bizarre call by Andy Reid really, really made it a sticky situation for sure. The worst part of the game was the NFL Network broadcast. And I am I don't like to come I don't like to complain about refs, and I don't like to pick on broadcasts. But you can tell NFL Network is run by the NFL. They do not want to show you a bunch of replays. When Mahomes got personal fouled out of bounds. They never showed a replay that would have shown that his foot was on the white, that it was out of bounds when he got hit. You could never see that. NFL Network never showed that. There were multiple plays throughout the day where they never showed a replay. They showed way too many crowd shots trying to evolve the Europeans and the Germans. And at times, the, Dol- I didn't, the Dolphins had a situation in the game at one point where are they going to try a long field goal? Are they going to punt? Or are they going to go for fourth down? And they're showing fans. That might have been when the gay kiss happened. I'm not sure. Uh, did you see the two men kissing? That was nice. And so it might have been when that happened. I don't know. But I'm like, what are the Dolphins doing? What are they doing? We don't know what their decision is here on fourth down. And they're showing you crowd shots before they finally pull out and the snap goes off and the Dolphins are punting the ball like he didn't know what was going on. It was a terrible broadcast. Rich Eisen is awful. Just awful. I like Dan Orlovsky, but Eisen's terrible. So thank goodness we're done with that. That was the worst part of playing in Germany. And the Chiefs move on. They've got the uh, top record in the AFC. Only the Eagles have a better record than the Chiefs. The Bengals are getting hot. We'll talk about that with Stan Weber. Also the Cowboys-Eagles. And I'm I'm about to do a 180. I'm not doing it fully yet. I'm considering doing a 180 on the Ravens. I'm starting to buy in. Although I just know what's going to happen. Lamar Jackson's going to pee down his leg in some big games and they're going to lose. He just is, but my goodness, Baltimore looks really, really good right now in the AFC. We'll go over that with uh, Stan coming up in just a few minutes. Separation Saturday was in college football. Unfortunately, the headlines for K-State and Missouri is they got separated from the big boys. Missouri and KU and K-State all look like they're very good this year, 
and one step short of the big boys in college football. It's not that there weren't enough opportunities. Kansas never really had an opportunity to beat Texas when they played at Texas. They got run out pretty good, but they had a really nice game on Saturday night. They beat Iowa State, and right now Kansas is basically the number three team in the Big 12. They host Texas Tech this week, which should be an easy win. I don't know why the line is only three and a half. This is already my play of the week. Kansas at home minus three and a half. I have no clue why they're only a three and a half point favorite against Texas Tech. But KU wins 28-21 at Iowa State in a game that they led throughout. Jason Bean tossed for 287 and a touchdown. Iowa State will just look terrible all night. Kansas dominated them. The Kansas defense looked great in this game. They dominated this game. Then with five minutes to go, Iowa State pulled within seven. And Kansas did the most Kansas thing ever. That with the with the creative offense that they have, yeah, on a night where their defense played very, very well, KU took the ball with four minutes and 53 seconds to go and in nine plays worked the clock to zero. That is always better than a scoring drive. It's the hardest thing to do in football. The Chiefs couldn't do it in Germany, but KU did it in Ames. Well done. Texas and Oklahoma State get wins over K-State and Oklahoma. Separation Saturday happened. Oklahoma State and Texas are on a collision course for the Big 12 title game right now, and that's where it stands. Missouri had lots of chances against Georgia. They took a 13-10 lead in the third quarter in this game. Georgia won the game 20-8 from there to win it 30-21. Brady Cook was just not as good against Georgia as he is against other teams. That's to be expected. It just wasn't good enough to win this game. 14 out of 30, not even 50%, 212 yards, and the two interceptions really hurt. Missouri ran the ball well. Schrader had 112. The team had over 150. So they, Missouri did some really nice things. They played with Georgia. They stayed in the game. Uh, but just a, just a skosh off that level, especially on the road in Athens. Missouri will host Tennessee on Saturday at 2.30. And this will how Missouri will define its season now and how it finishes out. If it finishes out with wins over Tennessee and Florida and wins the division and can emphatically say we're the second best team in this division, that's a hell of a year for the Missouri Tigers. You will take that every single time. Kansas State, well, they got punched in the mouth. They fell behind 17 points twice in this game against Texas. Looked like they were outclassed. Never could run the football, which has been a staple of the K-State offense this year. But they did everything right. They're so well coached. They did everything right to come back and indeed are lining up for an extra point after being down 17-0 and 24-7 and down the entire game. They're lining up for an extra point in the fourth quarter to go up 28-27 when they botched the snap. The center snapped it and the other 10 weren't ready. It was the center's fault. The point after is no good. It stays tied at 27. Texas goes down, gets a field goal. K-State goes on a drive. They tie the game at 30-all and go to overtime. Spectacular play by Will Howard. A nice kick. 42-yarder. Into overtime we go. K-State wins the toss. They stop Texas, hold them to a field goal. They've got everything going their way. K-State with a big completion down to the 7-yard line. They've got first and goal at the 7, and that's when Chris Kleiman decided, we are not kicking again today, boys. We got four plays to the Big 12 championship game. Four plays. We get in with one of these, and we're going to the Big 12 title game in all likelihood. We got four plays from the seven-yard line to get in and play for a Big 12 championship. And it didn't alter. When he got to his fourth down call from the four-yard line, he stayed 
with the analytics, went for it, and failed. Kansas State loses in overtime by three when they could have kept, they could have kicked easily and continued into double overtime. Chris Kleiman decided not to. I have no problem deciding we have four plays here. None. Zero. They'd missed a field goal and they'd missed an extra point in the game. I have no trouble saying we're at the seven yard line. We got four cracks at this. This is our chance. We're going to win this game. But K State did not. They have Baylor in Manhattan this week. Also in sports this weekend, Sporting Kansas City with a huge win over St. Louis, and they move on to the Western Conference semifinals. Daniel Shallowy with a goal in the 73rd minute, a wild crowd at Sporting Park, and one of the real stunners in Kansas City sports this year because Sporting was terrible all year, and now they're in the semifinals of the Western Conference. They're going to have to wait over two weeks to play either Houston or Real Salt Lake. Congratulations to Sporting KC. Stan Weber joins us in just a moment, brought to you by Back 9 Development, online at back9development.com. T.J. Vilkanskis is your custom home builder. If you would like to meet with TJ and talk about your dream, your location, or one of his, call 785-236-0161 and begin discussing the process of your custom dream home from Back9 Development online at back9development.com. Cross Kitchens KC, if you're in the market to remodel, here's your guy. I don't have the email yet. I think it's coming this week. I think this week I'm going to get the email that says back off on promoting the free countertops, but I haven't received the email yet from Tim. He may be sending it today, but he hasn't sent it yet. So here you go. The free countertops are still good if you call Cross Kitchens today. All you got to do is begin the process. You don't have to commit to anything to qualify for the free countertops. Just start the process by calling Tim or Brittany at 816-898-7047. Say, look, we're thinking about freshening up a couple things in our house at crosskitchenskc.com. And Advanced Medical Imaging is online at medimageks.com. That's medimageks.com. Did you know when your doctor says go get an MRI or a CT scan, you're looking at least three to four weeks and sometimes six weeks before they will even book you? That's ridiculous, especially if you've got something like a tumor. Seriously, medimageks.com will get you in today or tomorrow. They'll take your insurance. You don't have to go where your doctor sends you medimageks.com, see what's inside and see what's inside today. Or if you are relatively healthy, but over 40, you'd like to get a heart scan. You could pay out of pocket for this, about a hundred bucks at Advanced Medical Imaging. Call 785-856-0224 and find out your plaque score today, medimageks.com. All right, it's our football feast. Stan Weber's our guru. Let's do it right now at KKHI. Hit it. The KK Has Issues Conversation is presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com. We say hello to Stan Weber now with the football feast and a big day in pro football as the Chiefs get it off to 7-2 and two with a win in Germany over the Dolphins. Hello, Stan. How is your Monday going? Going well, Kevin. Uh, here we go. College basketball starts now. Uh, finally, and a little bit early, I think, compared to competing with football. If I were a college basketball guru, I'd say, let's wait a little while. But it does get kicked off, and the NFL, nearing the midway point, is uh, starting to hit its stride. So in college football, November is a great month. Uh, it's a lot of fun right now. So if you reset your watch, how have you dealt with this? Are you in Las Vegas right now? 
I'm in Las Vegas. I don't ever set my watch differently than what it shows Central Time, Kansas City. Okay. Always live off of that and can adjust very easily when people say, hey, we're meeting tonight at 6 o'clock in Vegas last night. Well, I knew that is 8 o'clock in Kansas City, so I would know it's easy for me to do that math. But it always keeps me in line with everything that I'm doing, with if, if it's family, if it's Kevin Keatsman's podcast, if it's radio shows, if it's business meetings. Talk the same language. And most importantly, when we get on the radio, Kevin, tonight, uh, on Monday night, and talk about K-State, USC, kicking off the basketball season in Las Vegas, we've got to quote the times of where people are listening, not where we are. So we don't say, uh, welcome, it's a 7 o'clock tip. No, we say, on the air at 8 o'clock, game time is 9 o'clock, central time. And we just roll, has to roll off of our tongue. So in my mind, everything fits orderly. doesn't matter if I'm in Hawaii. Oh, Japan, wherever I am and have been, I keep it on Central Time always. Well, it should be noted that it is dark where Stan is, and he's joining me in the middle of the night, which is really a pretty cool thing. How much neon can you see out your window right now? Well, I'm back in the conference center, Kevin. So right now I'm in the the bowels of the casino because once I walk, let's say, you know, you walk a long ways when you're in Vegas. Yeah, These, These places are big, so I have to let you know if I walk 50 yards, which seems like nothing, if I walk 50 yards and bust through this door, the, the noise will be so loud. Yeah. The music and the casino sounds that you'd be saying, Stan, what are you saying? What are you saying? So <laughs> I'm 50 yards back in the safety of these little areas that they allow me to come into. That's awesome. Okay, so were you able to watch the Chiefs game? Were you traveling? How did this all uh, play out for you? And, and the Chiefs, obviously, a tale of two halves, but my goodness, their defense made the plays when they had to. They're winning differently than they've won the past few years. But, uh, hey, man, 7-2 and two at the break here is an awesome spot to be in. It is, Kevin. Um, it's a great question because I had to travel from Austin, Texas, to Vegas yesterday, but not necessarily a, a big-time uh, different answer than you would expect. Absolutely, I saw the game. I planned my flight out, so I left at 6.05 in Austin, Texas so that I could land and watch the Chiefs football game immediately. So I'm all in, all day long, all the NFL games, just like Sunday. doesn't matter where, I'm at, where I am, <laughs> Sundays are the same for me, Kevin. Right. So, yeah, uh, the Chiefs' first drive of the game, first of all, was as good of offensive football as you ever see, ever. I mean, you look at the best of Patrick Mahomes, you look at the Tyreek Hill days, that offense was incredible for one series. But was it off the charts? You didn't care who the receivers were. They take away a touchdown in the end zone because Watson didn't have the ball secured before it hit the ground. So on the very next play, they just score another touchdown another way. Just incredible. I, I felt very good about the Chiefs when I saw the video right before the game started. Uh, when you run through the national anthem or warm-ups or whatever, did you see how focused the Chiefs were? Yeah. I mean, whoa. It's like a boxer who warms up and has some sweat rolling. I mean, Travis, Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, they had fire in their eyes. I go, uh-oh, Miami, you are in trouble. But I still didn't expect the first drive to be as good as it was. So if you want to know how good the Chiefs can be, Kevin, we know what the upside is. And no one can reach that level. They were playing with the Miami defense as they rolled down the field. Now, when the game was all said and done, obviously the Chiefs offense didn't have that kind of excellence all game long. But they set the tone right there. The defense played well. And how about a weird game with all these featured names like Tyreek Hill, Chris Jones, etc., that they end up being part of some bad plays that are the feature comment. If you want to talk about Chris Jones, I'm talking about he gave him four points 
after they were held to a field goal, he pushes you know a player, loses his discipline. The Dolphins score a touchdown. He gave them four points. And then Tyreek Hill's fumble. How big a difference does that make in the game, Kevin? The scoop and score, the pitch, the fun. The Chiefs get a defensive touchdown. Slow down Tyreek Hill basically all day long in a pretty good way because, man, he's unbelievably good. And the Chiefs get a defensive touchdown, play great, and that's one of the big differentials in the game. So uh, Miami just, you know, not to the Chiefs level. This is a sixth straight game that the Miami Dolphins have lost with a team with a 500 or better record, probably a third or fourth already this season. So, you know, Miami has to have everything clean and perfect and exciting for them to to launch and and play their best. And they had those moments. There were times where they were doing that against the Chiefs. But to to be gritty and and grimy and do the things you got to do over a 60 minute game, they just don't have it in them. When Tua sees pressure, Kevin, oh yeah, he he bails. And yeah. Steve Spagnuolo is the, the player of the game. Yes, Steve Spagnuolo. Yes. He dominated. Even when Miami started moving the ball, just showing pressure, got Tua to fire the ball to nowhere. And on the last play of the game, he brought the heat again, and Tua could even catch a snap. You know, was so nervous back there. So I don't know what they told him. You know, he probably had those bad concussions. They said, we got to have you out here no matter what. Don't take hits. But Steve Spagnuolo's blitzes <laughs> and defensive schemes was the story of this game. It's funny you say that because the people I was watching with, they go, oh, bad snap. What a great break for the Chiefs. I'm like, that was not a bad snap at the end of the game. That was a fine snap. That was a quarterback peeing his pants is what it was because here came eight guys. I mean, they were they were coming all over him, and he took his eye off the ball because the blitz was coming. And I, I agree with you. You know, 13 incompletions for two in this game, most of them – you would have said, oh, that could have been completed, but the throw was errant. They talk about how he's the most accurate guy in the league or very close to it, and I think that is probably accurate. I think he's a very accurate thrower, but not under duress, not in a hurry. No quarterback is accurate when they're hurried like that, and I thought he rushed some passes yesterday, and that was the key to the game. You're exactly right. Now, how do you explain the coaching at the end of this game? I figure between them, these guys make somewhere around $20 million a year, Andy Reid and Mike McDaniel. Andy Reid, with 242 left on third and one, less than one, Okay, Pacheco's been running well. Doesn't even have Pacheco on the field. He's got McKinnon out there, and he calls a pass play to get 18 inches. It blows up and fails. He punts it away. Then what do the Dolphins do? They get a 25-yard run by Mostert, a 19-yard run from Mostert. They got two minutes left. They're at the 31-yard line. They never run the ball again. What in the world were the Dolphins doing? No, it was amazing. I was just shaking my head to, Think about the Dolphins' time management problems. I mean, calling timeouts because they couldn't get the ball snapped. Their indecisiveness in the huddle all game long. Uh, is, what were they talking about in there? Were they comparing notes like, where did you go to in Germany? Did you have a good lunch? I mean, they were huddled. They, they were real tight in there talking and talking and talking. I know this place can be complicated, Kevin, but come on. They were running up to the line, clock turning red on your TV screen, five, four, three, and they're, they're hurried to get a snap. They have to call timeouts to save a few delay of games. They never looked comfortable, and the Chiefs did some stuff that made you shake your head as well. And you're just going, what the heck is going on down the stretch? Do you want the game here? I'll hand it to you. No, you're giving it back to me? Oh, okay. You know, and the Chiefs took it. Uh, and when you look at the overall game, the Chiefs are better, ready for prime time, Lit it up on offense, played good defense. Steve Spagnuolo, though, got into got into to his head. Uh, but Miami, all game long, looked distressed, uh, just even getting out of the huddle. So I, I was just shaking my head. And 
I know every Chiefs fan, because we were here and I was in a, a sports book, right, where you get to see a lot of fans, Chiefs fans are showing up. There's those K-State people showing up, right? And there are fans from all over, and everyone's looking around, and I said, all the Chiefs fans in the world right now are going, oh, no, not third and short. We'd rather have third and eight. Third and eight will convert and run this clock out, and Miami won't get the ball back. With third and short, no way. You know, and everyone's just shaking their head, like, how could they have Patrick, you know, running backwards, throwing the ball, trying to get it? When How do you not hand the ball off? keep the clock running or make Miami take a timeout and just try, try to get behind your center and your two guards, Kevin, just, you know, I thought this, it's time for Patrick Mahomes to ask for forgiveness because Miami's defense, Kevin was not at all to get ready for the Philadelphia tush push. Okay. Not ready for any college third and short play. They were playing regular defense tackles wide. They didn't think the chiefs are going to run the ball up the middle at all. That's where I think Patrick might have just said, I'm going to quarterback sneak it real yep. quick. Audible. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to tell the center, I'm going to tap your butt. I'm going to die, we're going to dive forward and get a first down. Then I'll, then I'll let Andy yell at me later, you know. But it's amazing. It is amazing. And they, there were mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. And, yeah, that's exactly what I saw down the stretch. Not there, two clean football teams they, at that point. They were spread. There was nobody on the left, the Chiefs' left guard there. I mean, it was if he goes just left <laughs> of the center, he just he falls forward for three yards. There was nobody there. Just and, fall forward for and, one yeah. and don't go for three. Just lay down and yeah. say I'm done. But but uh, I I thought he might do it. But here's here's the real problem I have. Pacheco's not on the field for that play. He had McKinnon out there, so something goofy was coming. You knew that right from the jump. Pacheco seems to me, you know, he's he's limited in what he is. He's a really good player. We like Pacheco. But one of the things he does, he doesn't go down. He stays up and continues to be held up. And every time he does that, the offensive linemen get behind him and push him, extend the play, and he gets two or three more yards. He's the perfect guy to hand it to there. If you hand it to him just behind a guard, right, and you bring your tackle from the other side to circle back, you got some pushers behind him. I don't know how you stop that. I mean, he's really good at not going down, and you get a little beef in there. To me, it wouldn't be the tush push, but I think you could devise a nice running play in short distance with Pacheco where a lineman or two circles back and pushes before he goes down, and you get it every time, don't you? I would think. You know, most of the time, I am a defender of a coach and their philosophy and their strategy so much because all the good things that come from that philosophy and strategy and what is built into the DNA of an offensive football team, you can't just pick and choose and say, well, we're going to do this well without giving up the other. So at, from the Chiefs' perspective, I would be a big fan of, hey, let's live with whatever the Chiefs do because it all is part of their package. But this has become an exception for me, Kevin. I'm, I'm five, six, seven weeks into this season going, this has nothing to do with taking away what, what, what the Chiefs do well. If you just turn around and head into Pacheco, in the guard center gap and let him smash in there and see what happens. Because, you know, I, I, if I were debating Andy Reid, he could say, well, we convert 92% of our third and ones. Why would you get criticized how we get it done? If we're cute, we go sideways. We, you know, all these things. You go, no, 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 you don't convert on third and one. So now we can open our mind up to say, we're not giving away anything that you do well. And this has nothing to do with any of your other first and second and third down plays. Just when it's third and one, let's hand it off to Pacheco or at least check it out. Let's see what happens, you know? Because yep. I do think the odds of making third and one with Pacheco smashing behind those offensive linemen is pretty good. 
you know, and yep. it's better than, you know, when Tyreek Hill was going side to side, I'm, I'm all cool with that. Uh, McCole Hardman, you know, maybe. But the rest of this stuff, Kevin, it's, it's just not working. And it's the one hole in the Chiefs offense that you can really point to is every Chiefs fan's jumping up and down going, oh, no, don't be third and one. Don't be third and two. We don't want that. You'd rather have third and 12. It's crazy. It shouldn't be that way. But they don't. They don't run the ball right at them. I think that they should. I really do. 15 days until the Chiefs play again. They're going to get a lot of good rest at a good time of the season to do it. They sit at 7-2. and two. They'd be the one seed. It is all looking good. Let's touch on a couple of other games around the NFL, Stan. And maybe the game of the day was the Cowboys-Eagles. Cowboys coming up just short on the last play on offense of the game. But Dak Prescott played great in this game. Three touchdown passes. The Cowboys looked good. They just fell short on the road at Philly. I don't like moral victories, and I rarely upgrade a team after a loss, but the Cowboys showed me a little something in this game that I'm not sure that I was 100% convinced they had. Does this change the way you assess the NFC, seeing the Cowboys have a chance to win on the road at Philly? Well, I do see some positives for what the Cowboys are doing. First of all, Mike McCarthy's offense is a problem, I think, and it's not well-designed. And running off the offensive coordinator from last year makes no sense. He's now the Chargers offensive coordinator. Um, so I was worried about the Cowboys offense being overrated because they, what they do is when they're better than you, they, they're kind of like the Miami Dolphins. When they're better than you, they win by 30. And when it's gritty and tough, they lose. That's been the season 2023. And one of the reasons why is their offense is very unproductive, uh, not creative, no big plays. Well, I don't think I could use that criticism right now after the game yesterday, Kevin. You know, the ball's downfield. We're done at the appropriate time. The slant patterns were done at the appropriate times. The things that they did against the Blitzes were good. So, yeah, I feel a little bit better about the Cowboys' offense. Uh, it's more like what Kellen Moore had last year at the end of the day. I thought Dak did a lot of good things, and he has not been – ever since he hurt his hand last year, I wonder if he has permanent damage, like maybe numbness in his hand or something, because uh, he has not looked completely comfortable and correct and right. Uh, so, yeah, I could see where many fans would say, let's think more positively about the Cowboys. And, and generally, I feel a little bit of that. But the division games are the ones the Cowboys are good at winning. That's when they play their best, even on the road. And they blew the opportunity. And unfortunately, you know, Dak took four sacks in a game that he should have taken one at the most. He killed them with the sacks. The undisciplined play by Philadelphia was off the charts. And the Cowboys couldn't take advantage of it because they had undisciplined play. The Cowboys had the ball first and five at the seven with 30 seconds left, Kevin, and ended up throwing a third and long from the 31-yard line. Yeah. It's just pitiful and unacceptable. Uh, it starts with, you know, Dak made a mistake. of He audibleized to a quarterback run play, and then it threw his uh, left guard off. He moves, and they get a five-yard penalty. But he shouldn't have ever called a running play when he had, you're at the seven-yard line, Kevin, and the clock, you have no timeouts, you got to throw. Oh. So it's just a bad decision. Took the sacks. Cowboys are losers. They got the, the Oof, Eagles. The Eagle. They are. I mean, they, they haven't. Won a, they've hardly won a playoff game. I know. I mean, they just. I know. They don't know how to win, and so they're only dangerous. If you if you play okay. the Cowboys, be scared. Be scared. But they're not I, reliable. I, but they had a chance yesterday. I will say this: the football gods, the football gods were affected because Philadelphia fumbled the ball twice, where it's about a seventy-five to ninety-five percent chance that the opponent gets the fumble, and it bounced back to, to Philadelphia. Right. That last running play, did you see Philadelphia's running play where they ran into each other and dropped mm -hmm. the ball? Yes. And they got it back. But even more importantly, from the 10-yard line going in in the first half, the dude fumbled 
the ball was completely lost. And when he got buried into the ground, they accidentally buried him where he could put his hand out and say he secured a fumble back. So those two fumbles were nothing Dallas did wrong. Uh, Philadelphia did not play great, made a lot of mistakes, and Dallas just barely matched them. Well, Chiefs' next game is the Eagles, 15 days away, Monday Night Football uh, at Arrowhead. So it's going to be an awful lot of fun in that one. Okay, uh, you described the way you were talking about the Cowboys is kind of the way I described the Baltimore Ravens. Dangerous, always a good team, but never really a threat to win the Super Bowl because I just think their quarterback is going to lose games when it really matters. But they did something, like Seattle's the one team that plays with everybody. Like they never get just destroyed. And Baltimore just destroyed them on Sunday, just unloaded on Seattle. Am I wrong about Baltimore? Are they a serious, serious threat to make the Super Bowl? Well, they are a serious threat, Kevin. Uh, they did it to Detroit as well a couple of weeks ago. But the thing that we've got to see is not Lamar. Lamar is just Lamar. He, he was the MVP three seasons ago or four seasons ago, Kevin. So he's had his moments of greatness. Uh, they're, they're running their offense slightly differently and all of that. I always have respected Harbaugh as a coach and everything that they do. So, yes, I always advance the Baltimore Ravens in the discussion. Remember over the last five-plus years, Kevin, we said, uh, give me the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers always. Uh, they're the teams that are really going to be there. And Baltimore will be right behind them. Well, now New England and Pittsburgh aren't as reliable or as dangerous. So Baltimore stays up there and kind of puts their head above the sand and goes, how about us? Move them up a couple of notches, Kevin. But here's the real reason why. Lamar might play okay in a playoff game. Doubtful. Uh, I wouldn't trust him at all. But the last two times the Ravens won Super Bowls, won Super Bowls, they did it completely leaning on their defense. Leaning on their defense, and no one even remembers that Trent Dilfer was the quarterback one of those times. Remember that, Kevin? Mm -hmm. In 2000. Defense, 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 and then whatever the offense gives us. And great special teams, the best kicker in the history of the NFL. Great coaching. So Baltimore is that type of team. What's different today than it's been over the last three to four years, Kevin, is the Ravens aren't just a decent defensive team. They are a great defensive team. Okay? So they and Cleveland this year are posting some defensive numbers they're off the charts because the defense, not Lamar Jackson, because the defense is different for the Ravens. Just like the Chiefs defense is, is different if people aren't paying attention around the country. If you're not paying attention, the Ravens defense is better. So because there's not other teams filling up our bowl of Super Bowl contenders, Kevin, we're going to advance the Ravens up. So the answer to your question is absolutely yes. Advance them up. But the differential between the Chiefs and the second best AFC team is probably going into this weekend before this game is on Sunday, probably as big a difference as we've seen in the Patrick Mahomes era. The other teams are failing. Kevin, the AFC teams aren't that good, but before you even ask me, I'm going to tell you they're back. There's one team in the NFL, one team in the NFL that you've got to worry about. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, yeah. I was going to save that for next week. I wasn't going to spend, I, we were watching. No, no, right? no, that dude, they are they're back. Good. They're good. And yeah, They are the badasses who are yeah. not going to blink an eye at playing the Chiefs. No, the good. Ravens are not ready for prime time unless the defense just goes off and slows the Chiefs that, down. They're, the Chiefs that game's and the New Year's Bengals Eve, are right? the two best teams. And, the, oh, wow. and, and they play on New Year's Eve. That's going to be fun. So that's a New Year's Eve yeah. game. We'll, we'll, but they're, they're completely back. They went through a gauntlet of schedule. Yeah. And Joe Burrow, is, in his three-game winning streak, Kevin, he has upped it to 76%. Yeah, and he played against Buffalo. Uh, on the road at San Francisco and maybe can't remember who it was, Cleveland or whatever. This was a hard stretch. 
the Bengals and the Chiefs are the two best teams in the NFL. We will talk a lot about the Bengals as the season progresses. I have one more NFL question for you, and this one is a player that nobody listening is paying any attention to, and he set a rookie record yesterday. Uh, starting quarterback for Houston, C.J. Stroud, 470 yards, five touchdowns, best rookie game ever in the history of the NFL by a quarterback. He marched his team down the field, 75 yards, threw a touchdown pass with six seconds left to win the game. His wide receiver, Tank Dell, after the game said, quote, C.J. is just different. I don't know how else to describe him. Is this the next superstar in the NFL, C.J. Stroud? Yeah, the answer must be yes. You know, you always want a little bit more time to say you just get hot as a rookie and you haven't even played a half a season. But the things that he's done has been thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, and he hasn't had the downturns. And what he did yesterday was absolutely not just statistically off the charts and the best. It deserves any credit and every credit you want to give him for being big time. Because, for instance, we talked about Dallas trying to drive down the field. They couldn't get the ball in when they got close to the goal line. Kevin, he threw a touchdown pass from about the 20-yard line with almost no time left on the clock. And the emotion of this game, you've got to understand, you probably weren't watching, if you're a Chiefs fan or an NFL fan, you probably weren't locked into Tampa Bay, okay, at Houston. But I'm telling you, Tampa Bay drove the ball and made incredible plays. Baker Mayfield, like, upped his credibility tremendously by driving the Bucks down the field, Kevin, and scoring in dramatic fashion to appear to have won the game. They took it from Houston. So this game was back and forth, and Tampa was hugging each other, and they knew they'd won, and he drove it down in their face and scored a touchdown right back at them. This is the biggest it gets other than, you know, playoff football. Uh, what he did in the face of what Tampa did to him was incredible. The composure, the accuracy, the timing, uh, yeah, awesome. Awesome play. It's the first game that I've watched him closely this year because of all the games I'm watching. Houston has not risen up to being very important to me, Kevin. I watched this intensely the whole fourth quarter, and Tampa played great. Kevin, Tampa played great, and he matched it and bettered it. Yeah, I feel like they're going to be the Lions next year. They'll be all all over TV. They're going to get national broadcast, the whole thing, because he's worth the price of attendance to watch him play. Uh, they don't have a lot of big windows right now where they're on TV a lot, but, man, it's fun to watch C.J. Stroud play. All right, we're going to switch it up, talk a little college football with Stan Weber, brought to you by our friends at Tickets for Less. Remember, when the Chiefs win, however many points they score, you get that off site-wide on any purchase. So right now, for today, $21 off any ticket, any event, anywhere, whether it's sports, concerts, anything. 21 bucks off with the promo code CHIEFSWIN. Or use the regular promo code KKHI and save 5 to 15% on any purchase at ticketsforless.com. Ideal Health KC is regenerative medicine for you. You want to feel better? Why don't you get a consultation with Dr. Kip Van Camp? Maybe your body's tissue can work for you. PRP blood spinning, patch therapy, ozone therapy. This is not needles and pills, folks. Feel better with IdealHealthKC.com. Schedule an appointment. Call 913-745-5300. And me and Stan's buddy, Ron Buck, over at Buck Disposal, was not very happy with the cats on Saturday. I can promise you that. But he's back at it working in his roofing and his disposal business. If you're looking for a giant container that you need to fill it up with your project, it's Buck Disposal, 913-242-7695 or online at buckdisposal.com. Stan, we will start college football with the game you called in Austin I think, and I didn't hear all the post-game comments, you tell me, 
I felt like Chris Kleiman decided on first and goal at the seven that he was not going to kick the ball again the rest of the game, that they were either going to get a touchdown or fail, and that game was going to be over right there. And then people said, wow, he went for it on fourth and goal from the four. I said, I think he decided that before first down. Am I wrong? Well, based upon our discussion now, I, I didn't even go back to the buses or to the plane or to Manhattan with the team, so I haven't come even close to Chris Kleiman. But we do get to interview him right after the ball game. And if I understood him correctly, it sounded like he said going into overtime and that when they knew that Texas was going to go first, that he was going to try to win that game in that overtime end of story. So if Texas goes down and scores a touchdown, kicks a PAT, in the first overtime you can do that. you got to go for two in the second overtime in college. But if they would have gone down and scored a touchdown, K-State would have got the chance to go. And they obviously would have gone for fourth down. And if they would have scored a touchdown, he said, we're going for two right now. We're not waiting until the second overtime. We're going to go for two on offense and win the ball game. And if they kick a field goal, we're not kicking a field goal. We're going to go win the game with a touchdown. I think if I understood him correctly, that he communicated to the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and the football staff. And they, I don't know if they told the team, but it seemed like to me he had decided yes. and there was conviction uh, the whole way through. That's uh, and, my understanding. And I think Will Howard knew that, and I think the offensive line knew that. I think they all knew that. I think he told them that when it happened. Okay, we're going to get down there, and we're going to go for this. We're not going to kick. And here's the problem. And people, and, and I, I would be a bad coach, and here's why. I probably would have taken the chicken exit when I got the fourth down and gone ahead and kicked it. I probably would have. But what kind of coach can challenge his players and say, we're going to go for it and then take back your word. I don't think you can do that to your players. And I think that's where he was. Now, obviously, if they had a 15-yard penalty and they were at the 19-yard line, that changes everything. I don't think he wanted to go back on his word. I think he told the kids what he was going to do. I think he challenged them. The percentages were in your favor. You got four cracks at it from the 7-yard line. I'm okay with what he did, but I'll just, I'm just being honest. I probably would have taken the chicken exit myself, which would have been the wrong thing to do because you can't do that to the kids after you've told them you're going for it. Well, you bring up a great point, Kevin. Um, you know, I mentioned not long ago on this podcast that I don't get on coaches about their offensive strategies and, and how they have to have a few little changes here and there because I know it's the whole thing. You get all the good and the bad together because there's always trade-offs. And, with Chris Kleiman, his team was getting dominated. I said on the air, it feels like it's 50 to nothing right now, Kevin. Midway through or late second quarter, Casey had 34 total offensive yards and we're behind 17 to nothing. And you're like, it's fortunate it's only 17 to nothing because it feels like 50 to nothing. And then K-State came out and scored before the half and go, okay, here we go. And I was saying on the air, by the way, K-State can come back and win this game the whole time. No one had more confidence that K-State could come back than me. Go listen to the tape when they were getting dominated. Then they got behind 27-7 to because they turned it over the first two times in the third quarter, unfortunately. And here you go. I still said they could come back. Well, the reason why K-State can come back, Kevin, is because the integrity within the program, the deep-down heart that they have that makes them different than maybe other teams or Texas in this example and you get it by everything you do every single day. When you're calling on your kids to dig deep and believe in you and not quit fighting and all those things, that doesn't happen very often. It only happens when you have a certain philosophy, and his is what I say I'm going to do. And you're exactly right. He couldn't trade that off. He can't have his whole program get flipped upside down because, you know, like when you're we're talking to your parents, you can tell your parents, and they'll believe you until they catch you lying. 
right? And and I had a flat tire, Dad. That's why I came. I wasn't home at midnight. You know. Yeah. You cannot tell that lie and then have people believe you that you're always going to tell the truth. So you 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 it's, you put it very well. You got to live with what Chris Kleiman decides. Here's the other thing I always say about coaching, Kevin. I coach my buddies in in college, and we won the all intramural championship in basketball. And I was like, why would you be talking about that? Kevin is a big deal championship, okay? But I told my buddies, don't act like I know what I'm doing as a coach. Don't act like I know a basketball better than you, and definitely not against the guys we're playing against. I don't care. All we got to do is all five of us on the court, do it with conviction, believe That's in cool. however stupid, That's... just believe in it together, know what we're going to do and where we're going to be, and it doesn't matter if we know basketball. The key is all of us believe and, and do what we're doing together. And here's the greatest example. You gave it. He said he had to believe in Chris Kleiman and the way he set it out, and I love that philosophy. Hey, we wish you would have won the game. Wish you would have made a better play on second down, third down, and or fourth down. And Kevin, I'm so tired of seeing this. K-State versus Texas. Are you kidding <laughs> me? Losses. All these games end up, couple up in overtime. I mean, it's just something goes wrong. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I can split the hairs with everybody. If you want to go to I, debate class, my analytics, son, you know, cool. My son Cameron lives in Austin. He went to the game. He said, this is my fourth time seeing K-State here. He said, Dad, I can predict what's going to happen. He sent me right, right before kickoff. He goes, Cats lose by three. I said, why do you say that? He says, every time I come here, the Cats lose by three. I'm like, dang it, you're probably right. There was the over. There was another overtime one, and, and that's that. But, look, I think K-State yeah, is it's, playing. It's painful. It's painful because. How can this happen again? I, I mean, we are we we had Texas, you know, we had the advantage. We fought back and all these things. Now we're finally going to get over the hump and win. And nope, same old. It was story. A, it was painful because that K State's probably in the Big Twelve title game if they win that game on Saturday. Kansas wins at Iowa State, Stan, and uh, man, I I think I'm probably trying to say I'm complimenting Kansas more than insulting Iowa State, but I was surprised Iowa State was as bad as they were. But I think Kansas defensively is just getting better. And no, Iowa State's not a great offense. I get that. But KU dominated this game. Still, Iowa State pulled within seven with five minutes to go. Then Kansas goes on a nine-play, 453 drive to end the game. I mean, they just do a lot of things right. They're currently third in the Big 12. They need some magic to happen because they've lost to the two teams ahead of them, uh, Oklahoma State and Texas. So they don't have tiebreakers there. They're going to need some real magic to happen in order to, to get in. But what does it say about Kansas that they were able to win that the way that they did on the road at Ames Saturday night? Oh, they're really good. It's a tough place to play, you know. And at night, uh, Iowa State showed some vigor and fight at the end. They didn't give up, and that's what you're going to get there. I mean, they, they really did the best they could, but Kansas outpaced them by a mile. You know, I know Iowa State fans will say, they blew the whistle back at the 30-yard line when he really got down inside the five. It was a bad call. You know, there's video showing he didn't step out of bounds and they didn't score on that drive. I get that, but you can't say that and, and focus on that Twitter message without going back and looking at the whole game and saying, oh, okay, he was better than you every play, all game long. Every time Iowa State did something good, you're like, oh, that was, they got lucky on that one because Kansas' defenders were in the right place, making plays. Uh, the offense was good. You know, KU's just flat out good. The offensive coordinator is amazing. Andy Koltenicki is amazing. I'll give you that. But you know what? The defensive coordinator is amazing, too. It's just that he had nothing to work with in his first two years, Kevin. You know, everyone has forgotten about his great coaching. These guys have stuck with Lance Leipold for all the way back from Buffalo, before that, Wisconsin-Whitewater, 
they've been together for 15 years straight or something like that. They know what shade of gray that they're talking about. That, that coaching staff, Kevin, is hitting on all cylinders. We've been talking about that a little bit, about believing and knowing what you need to do and being convicted and all that. They're doing that at Kansas, and they're very, very good. They are. And I think Jason Bean just saying he's a quarterback. It doesn't matter how good he is. Just not giving me, we're going to this quarterback. No, he's not available. Just get on with it. Let Bean be the quarterback. Uh-huh. Play out the season, and KU is a very good football yeah, I team. Think, I think they know within the program that Jalen Daniels isn't part of this thing. He didn't make the trip to Ames. They said he practiced all week, but then didn't go to Ames. I don't believe he's practicing. I don't believe any of it. I think the whole thing's over. I think it's it's Jason Bean, and then we don't know who it will be next year because this is the end of Bean. But I don't. It, it just looks like Jalen Daniels is probably done there. Now Missouri went on the road to Athens, and man, you know, in the third quarter they were up three. They they the second year in a row they had a lead in the second half against Georgia. They didn't take it as deep this time. I mean, they got like 58 minutes in last year with a lead, but they had a lead in the third quarter. They played well. Ultimately, Cook just not good enough. He didn't complete half his passes. He threw a couple of interceptions. Really tough opponent, really hard place to play. But, man, I just think Missouri, Stan, is playing for a lot this year. If they can go beat Tennessee and Florida and and be the second-best team in their division, they've made an unbelievable step. I hope there's not a letdown. I hope they realize what they still can do and what it means to be second in the division to the best team in college football, there's just no shame in that. And I I think they can do it. I'm just impressed with what Missouri is this year. Absolutely. I always think of positive things about Mizzou when you think about the Georgia game being added to the rest of what we've seen this year. I thought they stood up to them physically. Uh, they stood up to them with their strategy and the capabilities that they had pretty darn well. It really took Georgia – to stretch themselves to win, and there was no domination. And Georgia is still likely to be a national championship team again, Kevin. Their their quarterback is a new quarterback, but he's throwing the ball very well. So, yeah, very impressive Missouri. Tons to play for. Ten-win season, Kevin. If you could have a ten-win season when you're playing against the SEC East this year, which is an improved version, uh, some good teams in there in Georgia national championship level, and your non-con included K-State, and you can win ten games, that is big, big-time football. And so, yeah, there's a lot to play for in Missouri. Uh, LSU is really hard to beat when Jaden Daniel, Daniels put on a Heisman Trophy show uh, against them. I mean, if he didn't play at a Heisman Trophy level in that fourth quarter, Missouri beats LSU. So they're, they're putting a very good season together. But they now have got to prove it. As a favorite, can they come home and take care of a dangerous Tennessee and a dangerous Florida team and win those two games? So there is some pressure on them. But it's a good kind of pressure. They're very good. They're at home. It's November. That's when y'all want those teams to come. Do you know how many coats they're going to have on, those Tennessee and Florida players? Kevin, they're going to think, oh, man, it's freezing up here. So, yeah, great opportunity for Mizzou to get a 10-win season and a super exciting game. Forget Georgia. They did well. The upset was a possibility but not a probability. This is the game I was waiting for, Kevin. Tennessee against Mizzou. This is really the battle for who's the second best team in the SEC East, and that's a big deal. Stan, great stuff as always, buddy. Um, I know you probably don't gamble while you're in Vegas, but if you do, good luck or find a nice buffet. Have a great call tonight. You've got Kansas <laughs> State and USC in a season opener. That's a great game. Uh, have a great call. Say hello to Wyatt for us, and we look forward to seeing you back in KC soon. I will do it, Kevin. This is a, the first world problem. The only thing I'm missing out on is sleep. But do you think I care when the NFL games are on and the college basketball today? Heck no, man. So, Kevin, if you wake up in the middle of the night 
Monday into Tuesday morning. If you happen to do that, I don't know, you probably sleep perfectly through, but some older men wake up sometimes and, you know, maybe have to go to the bathroom. When you do that, Kevin, you will know I will be awake either on the plane getting ready to land or driving back to Kansas City because I haven't heard yet, but don't you think we're landing probably at 3 o'clock in Manhattan, get back to KC by 5 for me? So uh, think about me. If you wake up, Kevin, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I'm going to do these games, and I'm going to be happy that I'm awake and driving while you're at home sleeping because I get to do these games, and it's so much fun. Well, send me a text at a really ridiculous hour, okay? <laughs> if I remember, I might do that. <laughs> Don't call. Just, just send me a text while I'm sleeping, no, no, okay? No. I, have, I fully expect it. Well, I, I haven't thought about it yet. Thought, uh, can I be home by 4 o'clock in the morning or will be 5? It's got to be somewhere in there. <laughs> this is extreme. This is not normal. I'm usually home at you know, like 2. Right. But I think it's 4 or 5 coming in. Uh, this is if the if the K-State would have gone to the Pac-12. We'd be doing this all the time. All the time. So I'm glad that didn't happen. Good enough, buddy. Thank you so much. Have a good week, Kevin. All right. There is Stan Weber. He is just awesome. And he's in Las Vegas. Kansas State basketball opens on Monday night. He's got the call on the K-State network with uh, the USC as the opponent there. And I don't think Bronny James is going to play. LeBron James' son, this was supposed to be his first game, but I think he's not playing. He had the heart condition. And I don't know exactly what is in his future. Is college basketball starting everywhere for everyone? It's all brought to you by Fry Orthodontics. Online at fryorthodontics.com, 14 locations to best serve you. Whether it's Invisalign or braces, you get the perfect smile for life. And the real treatment is the customer. The, the, the real service is the treatment you get. from. It's just customer service. They treat you so well, and it's so much fun to be around the folks at Fry Orthodontics where your smile is just the start. Aminis with an outdoor furniture tent sale going on right now. 60 months, no interest. If you'd like to get by Aminis Galleria and end-of-year closeout models available right now, take them home. This is where you save big at the end of the year in outdoor furniture. Aminis.com or 105th and Metcalf in Overland Park. And Earth Effects Outdoor, a buddy of mine yesterday at our watch party said, what's the name of that company? We're thinking about doing an outdoor fire pit or bar or something. What's the name of that company? I said, Earth Effects Outdoor. It's online at eeoutdoor.com. They do all kinds of hardscapes, fire pits, outdoor kitchens, bars, built-ins, lighting, berms, ponds, water features, retaining walls, EE Outdoor, 816-478-7700 for Daniel Hanks and his team over at Earth Effects Outdoor Lawn Landscape and uh, Hardscapes. Really good stuff. Stan's awesome. Chiefs are off. We got 15 days now until they play again. 14 days, be two weeks from tonight, but they get a really nice break here. And then the schedule for the Chiefs, this is going to be a wild, we'll call it a second half. They're a little past halfway here. Perfect time for a bye. Getting ready for the Eagles on Monday Night Football. That's November 20th. Then it's at the Raiders and at Green Bay. That's a couple of good road games of teams that have not done much winning this year. Then back home to play Buffalo. At the Patriots, the Raiders, then Cincinnati, and then at the Chargers to finish the thing off. So it's a great schedule the rest of the way. The beautiful part for the Chiefs, they get the Eagles, the Bills, and the Bengals all at home. Doesn't mean they're going to win them all, but, man, as it gets colder and scoring comes down, that Chiefs defense is playing well. I'm, I think I'm more excited than most Chiefs fans. I just, I just am very excited that the Chiefs don't have to go out and score 38 points every week. I think they have better offense in them. And I think they're going to get better on offense as they go. But that defense, man, (laughs) one team has scored more than 21 points on the Chiefs this year, and that was the Broncos when the Chiefs turned it over five times. Woo! The Dolphins had gone 40 games 
without being shut out in a half. And the Chiefs did that yesterday, gave up 14 points to a team that scored 70 earlier this year. It's legit and it's fun. And it's going to be right here at KKHI. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs) 